Welcome, everybody, to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, alongside my co-hosts, you know, Matt Castillo and Chip Murphy. But today is a special pod. We got a special guest from our friends over at Crossing Broad. We got Kevin Kincaid, the managing editor of Crossing Broad and their Phillies writer. Kevin, how are we doing today? Hey, what's good, guys? Welcome uh, welcome aboard to the uh, Crossing Broad family. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to talk about the New York Knicks during a global pandemic. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it is what it is. I mean, we we're always used to kind of craziness here covering the Knicks, but uh, this is this is a little bit different level for everybody. Um, but yeah, I'll just and I'll kind of put this out there for the listeners because I'm not even sure how much we've gotten into this. But um, Crossing Broad purchased ESNY, so now we're kind of all under the same umbrella. Crossing Broad is a is a website from Philly. Very similar to kind of what we do at ESNY with the coverage we have. Actually, Kevin and I kind of do similar things running the day-to-day of each site. And then Kevin has credentials for the Sixers. And obviously, I have my Knicks credentials. So we we kind of do a lot of the same things. Um, So we figured Kevin would be a great guy to reach out to for this episode. Because when there's not really much going on outside of the uh, coronavirus pandemic, we at least got some news recently that... The Knicks are reportedly interested in Elton Brand, potentially. Uh, That came out of the Daily News, Stefan Bondi. uh, And I'll just read the little blurb here. According to a league source, Elton Brand has been targeted by Leon Rose as a candidate for Knicks GM. Brand is currently the Sixers GM and is under contract next season, complicating any designs of bringing him to New York. The source said Rose wanted to see if Brand was dismissed after the playoffs. So I guess we'll start off there. With kind of um, obviously the league is in limbo. We're not sure exactly what's going to happen with the playoffs and everything like that. Um, but Kevin, kind of like right now, where do you see Elton Brand? Like, where does he stand with the Sixers? And do you think that you know him coming to the Knicks or getting fired from the Sixers? Do you think any of that kind of stuff is a legitimate possibility right now? Well, I think his situation was probably in limbo. I think Brett Brown's situation was probably in limbo. I think there was a lot of question marks around all of that. You know, it was one of these things like, well, we're going to have to see what happens in the playoffs. So now mm-hmm. I think that goes on, you know, indefinite hold until we can figure out what's going on with that. But I think uh, Sixers fans are probably sort of in agreement that the group of, if, if you're going to put Elton Brand, Brett Brown, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, you know, Al Horford, the way that they're constant, they're currently constructed. Mm-hmm. I think people were all in agreement that you can't bring back that entire group as it was next year. What one of Horford, Simmons, and B, Brett Brown, Elton Brand would have to go. I don't think Elton Brand really is at the top of the totem pole when it comes to that kind of stuff because you got to kind of think about what he was when he got the Sixers job. I mean, basically, they were just looking for somebody to come in, be a figurehead here, and take these assets that they had compiled and just blow them in an oper- in a, in a effort to win now you know so mm-hmm. like it was really the job was very specific we have all this stuff that we accumulated with sam hinky and even brian colangelo i guess and uh mm-hmm. we're trying to win now so go do these crazy trades you know so 
Uh, it wasn't like they were looking for stuff in the margins. It wasn't like they were looking to do a rebuild or anything. He had a very specific goal in mind here. And that's why this report was kind of weird to me because I don't think what Elton Brand did in Philadelphia or has been doing in Philadelphia would make any sense for what the Knicks need right now. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, you kind of brought up that, you know, he made those trades last year with, uh, you know, obviously the Jimmy Butler one was a big one. And then, you know, Tobias Harris. Butler leaves for Miami, Tobias Harris stays, signs the max and everything like that. Um, but you, you kind of alluded to it. They, they're not, you know, trying to make, you know, a couple moves on the margins. They're, they were going for it all, going for, you know, essentially at that point, you're looking at a championship is, is the goal. Um, but do you, do you think that they kind of they've set themselves back at this point now? I mean, I, I think from my perspective, it, you know, the Al Horford as signing has kind of backfired. Tobias Harris is, you know, maybe not a max level player kind of um, he's kind of on on the fringe there. Um, and at least from my perspective on the outside looking in, it looks like they kind of took a step back from last year. Um, but how do you see, you know, where Philly is compared to where they were before brand kind of stepped up to that GM role? Yeah, I mean, I, out of all the beat reporters, I wasn't as down on the Sixers as everybody else was because mm. I always kind of had viewed them as a team that was built for the playoffs. You know, they brought in Al Horford specifically because they thought he could help with Giannis, you know, and they mm. and you also don't have to, when you're playing the Celtics, you know, he's not going to give Joel Embiid problems now, you know, and they were a, a, a team that when they were locked in and playing great defense was probably the best defensive team in the NBA. So it's hard to say, you know when they're playing uh, the Brooklyn Nets in the regular season, how much of an evaluation you can put as to what they're going to be in the playoffs. It's incomplete to me. It's N slash A, you know. But, um, you know, again, it's making about the Elton Brand thing. You know, really, he was an inexperienced GM who had only done a little bit of time in the G League. Uh, you know, he did not have any, you know, NBA GM experience at all. And so they had this thing where they had Brett Brown as an interim guy coming off of the Brian Colangelo nonsense. And uh, like I said, I think they were just looking for a person here to, like, with a very specific goal, say, hey, use these resources, we want to try to win now. And I think the thing with Elton Brand was that they felt like the Sixers were in this uh, this mindset where they wanted to try to attract the top talent to come to Philadelphia to play with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And uh, they felt like with Elton Brand, you know, here's a guy who's really respected as a former player. You know, he, uh, LeBron James will have a conversation with him. This high-priced superstar free agent will talk to him. You know, that might not be the case with some, like, run-of-the-mill GM who's just a, you know, uh, 45-year-old white dude mm -hmm. with no league connections or something like that you know there's yeah. really some, something to be said for the relationships that, that they have with with former players and he was respected in that regard but yeah it was just such a specific role really the four of us could have done what elton brand not to diminish what elton brand is doing but the four of us could have been hired to to blow through resources at the same time that you know, was a very specific job yeah and i guess i'll open it up kind of chip and uh, matt because i'm sure they have a pretty uh pretty strong opinions on this uh you kind of talked about Elton Brand being able to be that guy, you know, he's a former player, you know, not out of the league too long, you know, I guess, you know, relatively speaking. Um, so he kind of has a good connection with with certain guys. Um, and I know kind of Bondi and his report kind of alluded to it a little bit in the sense that, you know, maybe Elton Brand coming over, he has a good relationship with Embiid. Maybe that, you know, in the future things, I mean, not, I don't want to put that out there in the ether that the Knicks are going for Embiid or anything like that. Um, but I, as a, as a Knicks guy who's, you know, covered this team for a couple of years now, followed him my entire life. I always feel like that, that, oh, let's bring in the guy who can attract the free agents is the wrong move for the Knicks. Because every time they try and do that, you see LeBron, you see KD and Kyrie, every time they try and go all in on those free agents, 
it always ends up backfiring. Um, and I guess I'll, I guess I, I'm not even, I don't have a question for you guys, but Matt and Chip, if you want to chime in on that, cause I'm sure Chip, I want to get yeah. you going today. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> that right there with the guys bringing them in that no free agents. I, I mean, I've been hearing that for years. And as you just said, Danny, it never seems to work. I mean, remember we hired Fisdale. Why? Because he had great mm-hmm. relationships with, you know, like Dwayne Wade said good things about him and LeBron mm-hmm. liked him. And it was going to be this great and great, wonderful, you know, head coaching decision the Knicks made, and it was a flop. I mean, it doesn't do anything from it. Now, I will say, you know, Elton Brand, from that perspective, I mean, it does help having a player, like a former player that's been through it, kind of talk to these players because they get it. As you pointed out, Kevin, it's different from somebody who has no playing experience talking to these players. I do think in that aspect is it helps. But I'm at the point where I'm so tired of hearing about these signings or these hirings that are going to bring other players all in. It, it just never seems to work. It gets things hyped up. People get excited. It's just always a big letdown in the end because it's the Knicks. I mean, that's just the way it's been for the last several years. I'm about tired of it every time. This guy's going to come in and change the culture. Look, one guy is not going to just change the culture. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of things that have to start happening for the Knicks in order for that culture to change. And that's just the, the dead honest truth. But Chip, probably, you know, I, I bet you're, you're, you're wanting to jump in. I know you got some uh, thoughts about this and you're not ready to hold uh, back. Yeah, I do have a question. First of all, I do want to bring up for everybody listening, Danny's drinking a Corona right now during everything that's going on. I did want to bring that up. Um, but yeah, I do have a question. Uh, I just want to ask if uh, if you think Elton Brand's getting any unfair criticism because I don't think he's done like a great job or anything, but he didn't draft Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid together, so he couldn't have seen how that might have gone. And I don't think anybody could have seen how that might have gone. And Jimmy Butler, it seems like, didn't want to come back. So I, th- I don't think he should be blamed for Jimmy Butler leaving, and I Seems like JJ Redick wanted to go to New Orleans. Now he certainly didn't add enough shooting in the offseason, so he should be blamed for that. And the Al Horford thing, Al Horford dropped off big time. And like he did get signing, older. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people like that signing. A lot of people thought they were gonna have the best defense in the NBA. I think I remember Zach Lowe saying that he thought the Sixers would have one of the best defenses of all time when they signed Al Horford and that Embiid and Horford would be great together. And Embiid and Horford have been a disaster on the court together. So I, I just wanted to ask you if you think uh, Brand is getting a little unfair criticism because it seems like Sixers fans, from what I read, would be very happy to see him go. Yeah, I think that there has been some stuff that's unfair for sure. I mean, a lot of people were talking about the Al Horford signing at the time and saying, this was great. You know, he's older. He can just play stretch four for the Sixers and he can stand in the corner and shoot three pointers. You know, he's shot more three pointers this year than he has like at any point in his career. Yet he's like only shooting 32%. Um, You know, you could talk about them tipping their hand at the draft and tell them basically saying, we're going to draft Matisse Thibel, you know, so the Celtics were able to steal a pick, you know, away from him with that. You could talk about them not seeing value in, uh, second round draft picks and not trying to do things around the margins. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is more of a, like a <clears throat> less about any of that kind of stuff and more about the team that he built with the coach that he had. I mean, you guys know that Brett Brown is not a, like the Sixers run 
the I think the least amount of pick and roll in the entire NBA. And Brett Brown has played the Sixers have played more like the Warriors than any other team in the NBA over the years when it comes to passing the ball. It's a motion offense, uh, space and pacer. His philosophies he likes dribble handoffs. Um, you know the the motion the base A to B motion offense has a lot of DHOs and guys starting in the corners and stuff like that. And uh, so the, you know then they come out in the preseason and say we're going to play bully ball. We're just going to rebound over everybody and dunk over everybody and play defense. But uh, you know you have a coach who philosophically wanted to coach a certain way. And the general manager built him a team that was not built to do that at all. So you know it, it right. didn't it didn't interface with what they were what they were trying to do. And I think that's probably the heart of all the problems. You know. You know, yeah. Kevin. Uh, I know. All right, go ahead, Danny. If you no, no, you go. You go ahead. You go ahead, Matt. Well, I I was gonna ask on the question of you know with this you know we heard some reports last year that it's possible that they could be making moves to 76ers you know Brett Brown could be fired blah 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 if they had another disappointing playoff run but they meant to the you know the Eastern or not the Eastern Conference Championship but they they were pretty close to it you know uh, but there's still that talk about maybe they have to make a decision coaching wise and whatnot now now Alton Brand obviously didn't bring in Coach Brown if we do have a playoff this year we do come back and it's another disappointing end to the season if you're looking at it, which one do you think is more likely to go? Is, is it Elton Brand at the GM or is it Coach Brown? Because, uh, again, Brand didn't bring in Brown. Did, will he have a chance to bring in his own coach, maybe fit a system that he sees more fit for the team? I think it would probably be Brett, be Brett Brown. I just, I'm not really yeah. sure what changing what changing the general manager would really do. Because again, he right. was just brought in here to you know burn through assets. Really, you know, I mean, right. you could argue that if they get through this and they're back to square one, and he's got to do a rebuilding job, that he's not going to be the right person to do a rebuilding job. Um, right. But it would be Brett Brown more than anybody. I mean, he's had extra time because of the the nature of the process and the time that he put in when they were tanking and losing on purpose where it bought him like an extra season or two or whatever. But uh, yeah, people are really down on, on, uh, on Brett Brown and Philly. We just have this, this market has short memories. You know, it's like you, you, when you, when you're ready to be, be done with something, you're ready to be done with it, you know? And so nothing short of advancing to the Eastern conference finals would probably save him, at least in the eyes of the fan base. So, I think if you were looking at making the most meaningful, like tangible change on the court, I think it would it would be Brett leaving and then bringing in a coach who can do something with the Embiid Simmons kind of mismatch there and just try to do something that schematically fits what the roster is. Yeah, right. I think I think definitely um, New Yorkers are very similar to Philly in the way that you know <laughs> short memories, like you brought that up. I mean, and your me- your media too is similar is similar yeah, to how how yeah. Philly is, where there's going to be like pressure. Uh, from the the beat writers and stuff like that, yeah, New York and Philly are definitely similar in that where you're gonna where you definitely feel that pressure, and there's a lot of people who are putting it on you constantly. It's not like, you know, coaching in uh, Sacramento or Memphis or something like that. Yeah, where you can kind of fly under the radar there, yeah. or, you know, right. whatever. Um, but at least I'm I'm gonna give I guess Brett Brown and the Sixers a little bit of credit. I mean, obviously everything happened now. They they you know got eliminated by Kawhi in the shot, but I mean that shot was incredible. Like. The, the like not much needed to change to put Philly into the Eastern Conference Finals. Who's yeah. to say they don't beat you know Giannis and the Bucks in that? Because I think they are a pretty decent matchup, you know, for that that uh, Milwaukee team. And then you know they make the finals. All those injuries are happening to the Warriors. I mean, it, if like one or two things break right for the Sixers last year, we could be having a much different conversation right now 
um, then kind of, you know, Brett Brown on the hot seat, Elton Brand out halfway out the door, things like that. I, it's it's crazy to kind of now, you know, we have all this time to kind of look back and to, in, a, in retrospect, Philly was closer yeah. than people think. Well, it's strange, too, because, you know, when you have the nature of a rebuild, like the process, which had a lot of national eyeballs on it and a lot of people had very passionate opinions about it one way or another, whether you agreed with it or not. They went into a situation where from 2013 to 2015, they were losing on purpose and doing absolutely nothing. And then they went right from that to, all right, we got to win a championship right now. You know, there was no mm-hmm. middle ground at all. It's like we're going from 10-win season to, like, 52-win season, you know, and they really, they had that sort of in-between year that wasn't really an in-between year. They would have, like, benefited from, a, you know, a season that, like, Memphis, for example, is having right now with, like, Jaron Jackson and, uh, you know, John Morant and kind of, like, not, not having these expectations on it, but they have a lot of young guys who are, like, grinders mm-hmm. who are, like, playing mm-hmm. really tough right now, like maybe slide into the playoffs as an eight seed. You know, the Sixers really didn't have that. And, like, you were putting 21-year-old Ben Simmons and 23-year-old uh, Joel Embiid under this pressure of, like, you got to win a championship just to justify what Sam Hinkie did. You know, it's like we went into, a like, a basketball, like, wormhole of expectations, which was really, really weird, you know. So I think, like, when I think of what the Sixers went through and, the, and, and what the Knicks are now, um, you know, I think, like, when the Knicks had these pursuits over these free agents and they decided not to come there, they didn't have to go do a Sam Hinkie kind of thing, but they sort of had to read the room and say, look, here's where we are. Maybe let's just try to throw out as much young talent on the floor as possible. You know, let's try to make it look like we're doing some kind of big rebuild here when we're really not. We kind of got one foot in the door, one foot not in the door. I think when people look at New York from afar, um, we, we're sort of saying, like, what exactly is is the plan? You know, it seems like it's disjointed at different at different parts of the, the franchise, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> you kind of like brought up like team construction earlier and we, you know, we talked about Philly in that sense, but the Knicks, at least like at least Philly, you can kind of understand, you know, what they were going for there. We talked about, you know, you have Al Horford at the four, you got the great defense, you know, you got Thibault, like you're going to have that just stifling D. The Knicks, I mean, they, they kind of went into this, like we want to be a big physical team inside, I guess somewhat similar to Philly. But it's it did feel like a half measure. I mean, you know, when you're getting a guy like Bobby Portis, you're paying him, you know, 15 million a year. It's like, are you are you really like investing in, you know, uh, it just it seemed like it was like a half measure. And I saw Chip. I saw Chip perk up when I said Bobby Portis. That's (laughs) that's his favorite player on the Knicks. That was the plan all along. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that's been nice about the hiatus. We haven't had to watch Portis out there, you know, just jacking up shots. At least we got a little bit of a break of that. I'm trying to find some sunshine here. I I don't know. Uh, We haven't said his name in like a month. It's been great. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's funny. What's funny about it is like, uh, you know, if you go back and watch the Sixers, even when they were terrible and when they were losing on purpose and when they were winning 10 games, uh, you know, Brett Brown tried to play back then the same way that they're playing now. You know, he, he had this philosophy of like running up and down the floor, shooting three pointers, you know, playing defense. And they tried to play it every step of the way. You know, when New York brings in a guy like Fizdale and then you fire him right away, you know, you can't even really try to institute, you know, a, a style of play, um, a culture, uh, you know, get any kind of consistency there. I mean, maybe the pieces mm-hmm. don't fit, maybe the players don't fit, but at least if there's some continuity in what the coach is trying to do or what the system is, or, hey, we like this philosophy, we believe in this coach, we believe in this front office executive, you know, we think we're going in the right way here and we'll get the talent to match up to it. Okay, that would be one thing. But uh, the Knicks have had so much kind of changeover in every department that there hasn't really been any kind of consistency at any point. 
I think we've we've mentioned it, you know, a, a bunch of times here, but the two most or longest tenured players on the Knicks are Frank Nilakina and Damian Dotson, who are, you know, third year guys who aren't really even established guys in the league. Like Yeah, it's crazy. That's, that's tough to it's tough to build that culture and, you know, kind of build that continuity when you've got, you know, for, like I mean we got to be real. I, you, everyone knows I'm high on Nilakina and Dotson, you know, I guess for the most part, but they they're like fringe rotational players their first 3 years and those are the only guys you're keeping around. It's it's really tough to kind of build that you know, I, I guess kind of what Brett Brown was doing those years when he was he was trying to instill that that system and that culture and everything, even with those those terrible uh, terrible Philly teams way back when. But at least you know, at least there was a plan. At least there was some kind of like end goal or end 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 game in sight. I guess. Well, yeah, I and mean, it was it was identifiable because Sixers fans would sit there and say, "Okay, like we don't have the pieces to do it right now, but we see what they're trying to do." And mm-hmm. well, imagine, okay, so Robert Covington's a player who looks like he's going to come out of the process era as a diamond in the rough. Okay, well, imagine if he has a decent center play next to him. Imagine if you put a decent shooter next to him. So people were at least able to say, "Okay, like here's a, a template for mm-hmm. what the Sixers are trying to do. Imagine what it's going to look like when we fill in piece A, B, and C." You know, and I think that's the difference here where you have teams, you know, like the Knicks or you know whoever else is in sort of this half rebuild, but not really. It's the thing. It's like I think when you go back and you look at when you relitigate the process and what Sam Hinkie did, I think people have to understand what the Sixers were before that, which was just purgatory, mm-hmm. you know, like a 500 team eighth seed in the. Uh, in the Eastern Conference in a first-round playoff exit. And it's like, look, you, that's the last place you want to be right now. Like, we can justify mm-hmm. the merits of tanking and whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing to do when it comes to, like, an ethical, fake ethical kind of way. Um, but you, you're either doing one thing or you're not. You know, and purgatory is the last place you want to be. So I think that, the, number one, the Knicks have to identify what they are and be honest with themselves and say, this is what we are. Maybe we like a couple of these young pieces. We're going to find a coach that we like. We're going to commit to that coach. We're going to stick with this the style and the system and we're going to let this person build something and go with it that way you know but the the first stage is that you have to kind of accept what you are and kind of uh, figure out where you're going to go from there yeah i'm just going to quick plug uh your own weitzman's book again uh because we're kind of talking about the process here tanking to the top uh we actually we had him on the pod a few weeks ago yeah good dude probably close to a month ago yeah really good guy um, but you mentioned that they were kind of in that purgatory of like the eight seed. And I think about that chapter where he talks about they, they got Andre, or, yeah, Andre Miller. And he kind of, he was like, he was too good where they couldn't like fall out and like get, you know, good draft picks or anything. But he wasn't good enough where, you know, he's going to take them to the next level or anything like that. It was just kind of like you're, you're sitting in that, that NBA purgatory range there. Yeah, and it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. You know, what Sam Hinkie did in Philadelphia might not be what New York needs, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, maybe New York has to go a route like, uh, you know, like Milwaukee and just try to do it organically and maybe stumble into a generational talent and then go from there, you know? So it's not, you know, when we talk about the process and the strategy that the Sixers uh, undertook, you know, maybe that's not the, the path for everybody else, you know? Um, for New York, I mean, being in the biggest market in the country, uh, you know, you're always going to have eyeballs on you for for better or for worse, and uh, maybe it just benefits them to kind of identify a couple young guys they like. Say, look, do we believe in um, 
RJ Barrett. Do we believe in Kevin Knox, you know, and just throw out young teams and see what happens. And at least you give people something to look forward to and say, Hey, this person, you know, it's like a Robert Covington situation again. Imagine what, um, you know, Frank Tilakina would look like with four mm-hmm. other good, good players around him, you know, and then at least there's, again, there's like a template to work from, but yeah, just pur- purgatory is the, is the one place you don't want to be. Well, we've, I mean, we've, we brought it up a bunch on this podcast and, you know, I don't, I don't know if it would exactly work for the Knicks. It, it might be a little different, but the, you know, what the Nets did kind of play your asses off, try and get good, try and make the playoffs and try and look competitive. And then at that point, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are going to say like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I, I want to go play for a team like that. Obviously, the Nets are a different story now. There's so much going on there that it's it's just, it's too much to get into here. But uh, but maybe, you know, maybe a, a template like that, like, you know, getting into that level of, I guess you would call it purgatory or whatever, that seven, eight, six seed, and then, you know, see what happens. But um, I mean, I think the one thing we can all agree on is that the Knicks, they need some kind of like, like focus or like end goal, whatever that yeah. may be. Um, right. They just they just need to kind of set their sights on something. Well, let me let me ask the three of you then. I mean, if you were if you were to look at this on like a spectrum, and uh, you know, Sam Hinky in an outright tank is on one side of the spectrum, and uh, you know, say like Milwaukee, uh, the way that they rebuild with Giannis is on the other mm-hmm. side of the spectrum. Well, are the Knicks closer to the Sam Hinky side of the spectrum or the Milwaukee Bucks side of the spectrum? Good question. I, I think we're to the tank spectrum, uh, to be honest, because if you look, you know, there's not any really pieces here that excite you. I mean, they, they tried to make, you know, some second tier free agents to make this team a little bit more competitive. But in my, my, you know, what I see from the Knicks is that they don't really have young superstar, you know, until they do, I think they're more of that back end where they just got to keep losing and be in the lottery until they draft that guy that can probably push them towards maybe the buck spectrum on that. But right now I would say we're on the opposite end of that. I don't think so, dude. I think they hired the biggest NBA agent of all time to run the team. I don't think he's interested in tanking. I mean, he's, I think they hired him to go star hunting. I think he's, I don't think he wants to lose 10 games in a row. Like, yeah, uh, and I don't think James Dolan is interested in doing that either. I'm not saying they right. shouldn't go that way or anything, right, but right, 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 right. Yeah, I agree with you, Chip. I, I mean, that's obviously the way they look at it because they don't want to go yeah. through a tank process. That, but we've seen that for years. They keep trying to set themselves up. For, they traded away Przingis and got nothing other than the hope <laughs> of being able to yeah. land a big time free agent. They just keep clearing cap space. These this past off season. All one-year deals. So these guys are off the book. They're trying to keep as much cat space they possibly can to hit gold right away. That's clearly the strategy. It's just it hasn't worked. That's all I'm saying. But I think that I they – I, I think if we learned – so was the takeaway from free agency this past summer that it's it, the, the allure of living and playing in New York is not strong enough on its own in 2020 mm-hmm. to, to bring right, those people. Right. So, you, so, you, so you need – to stumble into a superstar in the draft and then say, right. Hey, come, Hey, come play here. I get that. You need to, you need to, yeah, you need to win some games first to get superstars attracted like the Nets did. Mm -hmm. I don't think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant would have went to Brooklyn if the Nets won 20 games the year before that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I guess I'm probably, I'm probably more of like middleman Dan than, 
than Chip and and Matt right here. But I like I th- I mean I I think they do have good young pieces. I mean even I'll focus on R.J. Barrett. Is he an All Star potential? We'll see. He's young. I I don't want to write him off, but I like I don't think he's going to be like a Giannis type player. Or like, you know, like a superstar mm-hmm. like that. But I think he's got All Star potential if he keeps you know developing yeah. his shot. Things like that. I think he's got the right the right mindset for New York. Uh, sometimes I think that can be an over overhyped thing that oh he's you know got the got the mentality. I think that's overhyped, but I'm still saying I think RJ has a good mindset. Um, and then aside from him, I think Mitchell Robinson is like a, a tremendous piece yeah. to have as like the start of your kind of your rebuild and like trying to get back into you know into the playoffs or you know become a championship team. Having Mitchell Robinson, who's you know, I know he's he's limited in what he does, but the things he does, he does it as well as you know almost anybody in the league. I mean, he can he's a consistent lob threat. He he's always you know blocking people in the rim. Great rim protector. Um, I I I don't know if he's like an all star in the future or anything like that, but I could see him as like a top five center in the league type at some point in the future. I mean, he just he turned twenty two yesterday, so. I mean, he's got he's got such a bright future. I think when you're starting the rebuild around RJ and Mitch, it's that's not a championship team. I don't think like if those are your two biggest stars, I don't think eventually they're going to turn into a team that can win a championship behind them. But I think that's a good at least foundation to begin from mm-hmm. I mean, this year's draft. I mean, who knows when it's going to happen or anything like that, but. That's gonna. I think that's gonna be a big thing if they can kind of luck into, you know, maybe one of these point guards ends up being, you know, the next Trey Young or you know, the next kind of star point guard in the league. The Knicks could kind of luck into a guy like that. I think we'd be talking a lot different right now. But again, the Knicks, the Knicks have never had luck in our, you know, our lifetime. So, well, <laughs> no. at least not since two, not since like the year two thousand. So, I think yeah. uh, I, I. I hope for the best for them, but I expect the worst at all times. Mm-hmm. That's a great philosophy and, to have. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, you know, we've talked about several times on the show before is, you know, you need to have that young core, that young foundation to attract some of these bigger free agents that, you know, if you have some young talented players, you know, a little bit more established guys in the league are going, I can go there and take this team to the next level. We can compete not just for, a short time, but with them being young and developing and developing into potential superstars themselves, we could compete for a long period of time. Um, just as you were talking though about uh, Mitchell Robertson, Danny, all I keep thinking about, imagine if he gets a little bit of like a mid range game, like if he could shoot from the free throw line, I, that guy, I mean, I smile every time somebody says something about Mitchell Robertson, because that guy was a steal. I mean, that was, that was, uh, just a huge pick for the Knicks, but the point is, when we're talking, or we're talking about Elton Brand potentially joining the Knicks. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when they hired Leon Rose. It, it, it all really depends on the scouting department, things like getting these young players right. You got to draft right. You got to do your homework and find these guys that can create that young, you know, core that will attract these free agents if that's the route they're going, which appears to be so. That's what the Knicks look to do. They look to buy the biggest free agents but you have to have a young core in order to make that work. So these draft picks, to me, are very important. I think you have to start picking some of these guys, and they're going to have to start working out, developing. You know, you talk about R.J. Barrett having the potential. I agree with you. Mitchell Robinson, I think, is a stud. Uh, you know, Kevin Knox, we, we kind of need to 
certainly played better than what he has uh, this season. Uh, I, I think that that's the big key thing with this team is to draft some of these guys where we're at this state right now of, you know, in the lottery drafting, if we're going to get some of the big free agents. I think that's the, the biggest way to, to attract them, in my opinion. Yeah, and I guess you're I'm just this is kind of uh, off or tangential, I guess, but uh, you circle back to Elton Brand there. I don't even know. Like, I think I'm just like a little biased because like so many people I talked to were like, oh, like the Elton Brand, he's not doing anything in Philly. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, I, he's from my area. Like he grew up, you know, peak skill, section one basketball. He was I mean, he was he was older than me. So I wasn't around when or at least I wasn't um, paying attention when he was dominating high school basketball. But he's like a legend from, you know, my area of Rockland County, Westchester. So, like, when I heard, oh, they're interested in Elton Brand, I was like, oh, it's cool, like, Section 1 basketball. So, I think I'm a little biased because when I heard Elton Brand, I was like, oh, I, I would like that if, if I saw that happening. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 this, this has got me thinking about the Knicks. During the, you know, coronavirus, it's been kind of nothing going on. But now this, this has got me thinking again. Well, you know what the interesting yeah, thing is, too, is it's like, uh, you know, the coronavirus may have saved Brett Brown's job. Mm-hmm. I was thinking and, that. I was yeah. totally thinking that. <laughs> yeah, and Ben Ben Simmons too. Ben Simmons was injured. Uh, had a, had a back injury. Right. Yeah. And Joel Embiid is always always has something. Mm-hmm. You know. So maybe it's a boon mm-hmm. if they come back. And the other funny thing about the Sixers too is that they're amazing at home. Like twenty eight mm-hmm. two at home, and they were like ten and twenty something on the road. That's and, insane. Uh, you get into theoreticals like, uh, you know, they were tossing around the idea of playing in like a centralized campus in like Las Vegas or Atlantic City or, or something like that. There's enough empty space at all the empty casinos down there that you mm-hmm. can put the entire NBA up in like Revel, you know. Um, but what kind of competitive advantage or disadvantage would that be? You know, I think it would actually help them because, you know, if you, you know, if you take away the prospect of having to play on the road, then they'll probably do better in that regard. But at the same time, they're so good at home that they're not going to have the Philly crowd booing them into playing hard. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like a very interesting yeah. dynamic when you think of it that way. But um, yeah, I just, the Elton Brand thing with the Knicks is strange to me because there's no proof that he can do anything, anything other than uh, burn through a bunch of assets in an attempt to win. Now, you know, the New York's New York Knicks job is a finesse job. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a value in the margins kind of, kind of job. You know, it's not really a Sam Hickey hatchet job, at least not mm-hmm. yet. Um, but I just did like Elton when I saw that report, I was just kind of scratching my head, you know, but everybody did the story and everybody got their clicks off of it. So that's what's important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like, like I kind of, I talked about, you know, he's a New York guy. So him, him being in the news, I think a lot of people in the area were, you know, exactly like me, like, Ooh, Elton Brand, like he's, you know, a New York legend type guy. So I think, uh, you know, it, it worked out for, for everyone involved, at least on, uh, on our end of things. Cause we're getting a whole episode of uh, a whole podcast episode out of it. Yeah, and the other yeah. the other thing uh, Knicks fans should know about Elton Brand too is that you know when Brian Colangelo was let go or resigned or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it after the Burner Gate nonsense, it, it, like his people, the rest of his people stuck around. You know, they have like mm-hmm. assistants right underneath Elton Brand who are Brian Colangelo people. You know, you talk about Elton Brand being a inexperienced kind of guy. Um, you know, how much hand holding is taking place from those Colangelo people or even from Brett Brown saying, hey, I'm going to go after this guy or that guy. So you even add that as a layer to the Knicks thing, too. You know, if he 
of, you know, if Elton Brand went to the New York Knicks, is he 100% making all the decisions here? Or is he just sort of like a puppet for people who are underneath him or above him or whatever? You know, so that's another thing that I think people got to realize is that when Colangelo went, not all of his people went with him. Brown Brown was taking over there when when Colangelo kind of went out. Brown wasn't Brown the like the interim GM or acting GM. Yeah. Yeah, because it happened in the summer, and mm-hmm. uh, that was just a mess. And he, I guess, they kind of did the draft that year as a, uh, you know, it's like a group effort or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the year that they traded Mikael Bridges for Zaire Smith. Yeah, um, yeah, they stumbled into Shake Milton, which was actually a really good pick. So go right. figure. Um, you know, Brian Colangelo was missing on some of those, you know, like Jonah Bolden picks and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Latvian dude who I can't remember what his name was. But, uh, yeah, you have, like, Alex Rucker and Ned Cohen and Mark Eversley, uh, player personnel, assistant general manager, executive VP. They were all Brian Colangelo people. Mm-hmm. You know, and Brian Colangelo was, you know, obviously the fans feel a certain way about him. So anybody who is associated with him is, you know, bad by default. So that was another thing that was kind of hanging over El- Elton Brand's, uh, you know, the, the opinion of Elton Brand. Yeah, and... The whole Elton Brand thing, to be honest, as of right now, and it was just early. I mean, we're just hearing about this. I don't, I, I, I don't know what to think about it. Like, I don't even know how possible it is. Again, with the, he's still under contract, there's so much that could be, you know, decided here uh, once the season ends. You know, so as much as I like Elton Brand, because I do remember from his playing days, I did enjoy watching him play. In all seriousness, but uh, to be the GM, I, I don't know. I can argue a lot of things why it's not good. Um, but you know, Kevin, I, I wanted to get your perspective on something just a little bit different here. Cause the last couple episodes, uh, we've been trying to figure out when the heck the season's going to return and how the heck the season's going to return. So we've been trying to come up with some ideas. It'd be good to get an outside view on it. What could the league do? What, what, you know, it, it's hard to predict when we could see the, the, the league come back if it does come back, but what, what are some of your thoughts on what the league should do? Uh, number one, from a macro level, I would just say push it back as far as as far as you need to, but finish the season. I mean, these ideas of canceling the season outright are absolutely ridiculous to me. Because mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. because then what? I mean, then we're just starting up next season in October. Nobody cares about that. Push the season back as far as you need to, and if we're playing the NBA championship in October, so be it. You know, mm-hmm. crown a champion. Uh, how how disrespectful is it for to like what the Bucks are doing this year and what the Lakers are doing this year to like just take their great seasons that they're having and say, all right, that's it, it's over. You know, what's we're not why would we do that? Chop games off the beginning of next season. I don't need an eighty-two game season next year. Yeah. So let's play a championship if we have to do it in July, August, September, October, November, December, fine. And then we'll just push back next season and we'll play like a fifty game season next year or play forty mm-hmm. games or something like that. And, uh, you know, the other thing is if they have to play it in a central location, fine, no problem. I mean, if you think about how they were going into this in the first place, the media, we were barred from the locker room, uh, you know, and then, right. then they, then they, cause remember everybody was complaining about that. What a luxury that was. Um, and then they were talking about, we're going to play in front of empty arenas. You know, those are some of the ideas that they had before Rudy Gobert happened. So if you were going to step into it that way, then why not step out of it in the same way? Find a central location that's safe. That's kind of like. Uh, you know, that keeps fans away and stuff like that. Play these games, finish the season, you know, bring that sector of the economy back, sports betting, broadcasting, you know, all the television and commercials and stuff like that, and uh, do what you can to finish the season. But the one thing they can't do is just, like, scrap it outright yeah. because it's just it's just wrong to do that on, on principle. Yep, I agree. I agree. 
Yeah, I mean, and I don't know how they're going to do the playoffs, how they're going to handle all that stuff. I mean, from it, pretty much like the East is already set, the West is pretty close. I mean, there's you know, there's there's only that eight seed kind of, and then maybe some jockeying in the middle there. Um, but and I know I I doubt this is going to happen, but I'd be into kind of like a March Madness esque style tourney where you have like a couple teams like playing and playing games, things like that to kind of mix it up maybe a little bit, but I, I, I think all that kind of stuff, I mean, they're talking about it in NHL now too. I think all that kind of stuff is kind of just uh, a pipe dream. I don't, I don't think the, the NBA is going to move towards like, you know, allowing the Knicks to make the playoffs in 2020 or anything like that. Um, I, I, but, I don't even want to see that Danny. Yeah. I, I, I well, don't even want to see the Knicks. All right. Here, all right. So, so, so here's, I'm here's, done. Here's where I'm because I got because I'm, I'm just nuts <laughs> and I was like doing all these like matchups in my head. The Knicks would have played, I think, the way I had it set up. The Knicks would have played the Heat, who they beat the Heat, I think, the last time they played, or at least the last time they played in in the Garden. So if that was I'm like good. a one a one game playoff, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. But I'm with you, Kevin. I think they they got to figure out a way to make this season happen because people talk all the time about. Oh, the regular season. The regular season doesn't matter. Oh, it's it's worthless. It, you know, no one cares about it. Well, why would you scrap the season and then say, "All right, well, we're just going to start the regular season on time"? That it just seems like yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta identify yeah. what's meaningful. I mean, everybody on the planet is going to say that playoff basketball, playoff hockey, playoff MLS is more much more meaningful than uh, you know the Sixers versus the Charlotte Hornets on the second night of a back-to-back in November, you know, Uh, I mean, let's be honest, nobody really gives a crap about that. So, um, you know, again, like I always tend to side with like, uh, my philosophy is always like these guys have been busting their ass all year long. You have guys who are putting in amazing individual seasons and team seasons and stuff like that. And they don't, they don't deserve to have that just end up as an asterisk, you know, or a footnote on Wikipedia or a basketball reference saying, Hey, this is goes straight into the trash just because we had a global pandemic here, you know? And if anything, you're trying to like, uh, it's it's one thing to be like safe and do the right thing in a during a time like this, but you also want to like prove to people that it's not going to like you're not going to be defeated by this. I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. stupid, but like the explanation is like this. No, like, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah like, like like for example, it's, needed. Like, it's absolutely needed. Yeah, you're right, and it's like you know, like using the NFL draft as an example. Look, mm-hmm. the NFL draft is basically what we're doing right now. Okay, it's like a glorified conference call, and when Roger Goodell comes out and he says this is important that we try to have some semblance of normalcy here and try to like proceed as planned because it helps morale, gives people something uh-huh. to look forward to. Um, you know, it, it's a, like a mental health boost, you know, during a crisis. Plus, I mean, if we don't want people outside and doing stupid things outside, then let's give them the NFL draft where they're going to be spending three days sitting in front of their TV anyway. You know? So, I mean, when right. you talk about the NBA and the playoffs and stuff like that, you have to say, look, we're committed to finishing this uh, because it's the right thing to do. And it's kind of a morale and, mental health and sports sports fan kind of boost you know yeah i think uh <clears throat> unless anyone has any final thoughts i think that's a that's a pretty good uh pretty good spot to kind of wrap up we're all fingers crossed we'll see uh we'll see philly in uh in the playoffs sometime relatively soon and uh at that point Knicks fans might have a little bit more clarity on uh on whether elton brand is a realistic option or if uh if that's just, you know, fodder for, for writers and podcasters and, and the like. Um, but thanks again, Kevin, for, for coming on. We really appreciate um, we really appreciate the time. And, of course, you know, 
people can expect this to happen, you know, more going forward as, uh, you know, the Crossing Broad, broad and uh, ESNY uh, kind of connection continues. No, for sure, man. It's great to have you guys on board. And, um, you know, like I said in Slack on that first day, uh, there will be a lot of good crossover opportunities. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the day that the Knicks and the Sixers meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> well, as 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 every Knicks fan knows, there's, we got a long way to go before. before yeah. Well, whenever before, whenever that whenever that time Sixers. comes, whenever yeah. that time comes. Yeah. 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 Twenty twenty fifty. We'll 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 get back together and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So thanks, Kevin. Thanks.